What is going on? This is Michael Hacker with the Hacker Outdoors podcast. Today I'm joined with Joey McCormick. We talk about his tournament debacle and debate a proposed ban on harvesting striped bass. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to or watching us on. Please check the show notes for some links about topics we discussed today. And without further ado. Anyway, that bass thing you sent me about the stripers, I think that's complete. Yeah, I I think that bass thing is, is interesting. Um and definitely a good point. So ladies and gentlemen, we are live here. Thank you for joining us, Joe. Thank you for jumping on. Brian is busy this evening on a Tuesday night, man. What are you doing on a Tuesday night, Brian? I'm kidding. I know what you're doing and I'm not going to call you out here, uh, but that's all right. Um, so welcome, Joe. I appreciate it. Anytime, brother. So, you know, we were supposed to do a notes from the field this past weekend and that didn't happen. I don't know if you want to get into uh, sure, I'd love to. why it didn't happen. <laughs> Let's start with that. How's that sound? Yeah. So uh, this is not the MLF, FLW, BFLs. This was another uh, tournament series. Um, so we all straight up there. I think they probably had about 100 boats. Everybody's there getting put into boats in the water. This is Saturday, you know. About five fifty, we were all supposed to be in the water by six, and a text message let's, goes out. Hold on, let's let's just clarify that we're talking AM here, not PM. AM, correct. Yes. Uh, so you drove, actually... you drove from your home to this location, meaning you were up. I just want to set the stage here for a moment. What time did you wake up? Or you know, we know you don't really sleep well before tournament days. It, well, it depends. When I, I I don't sleep well if I have to. If it's this one was on the Potomac, so I had to I leave like at three AM from my house. To get down there, it's about 89 miles. It takes about an hour. So I left at 310. I was there like at 440. Um, and that's when the, the gates open to the park. And of course, everybody's putting their boats in. Everybody's getting ready to go. And about 555 in the AM, text message comes out that the, the tournament's on hold because of wind. Um, at that point, I think the wind was about eight knots maybe topping out of 10. In my eyes, there was no reason for us to be on hold, but they determined they were going to put it on hold. So they proceeded to say, we're going to hold to nine o'clock and then I'll reassess from there. So of course, you know, we all get on our weather apps and we're looking and it showed the winds at 6 a.m. till nine o'clock, you know, would be eight knots, 10 knots, which is really nothing um, where we were at. And then, you know, at nine o'clock, they were going to start dying down and finally level out to around four knots, two knots, sunny, nice. And uh, so we all waited at nine o'clock. Nine o'clock, the message came that the tournament is, is canceled, which in my eyes was not proper call. And, you know, there's several other people I spoke to who felt the same way. Um, just look at Lake Murray. Look what we fished in the Lake Murray. Uh, where I, I don't have words for it because compared to those conditions and other conditions I went out to, it was just like, I couldn't make sense of it in my mind. And we, we spoke. I mean, you you called me. You, well, I should say you text me. I, I'm an early riser. So we were texting at like six in the morning. I think I called you at like seven. Yep. And you told me that it was on hold. 
and you called me again to tell me when it was canceled. And I, I said to you, I said, Joe, if you were to look at the trees there, because it's a, a little trick you showed me, the tips of the trees, are they swaying? And you're like, no. And I said, okay, because, you know, I, I think the night before, to, to be completely honest, it was chaotic. Yes. I, I'll, I'll give them that. Like, there's stuff that was blown all over the place. And, you know, we had some ferocious windstorms going on up here. And I know that it was up and down the eastern seaboard. Now, at 6 a.m., like I said, I got up, I was brewing my coffee. I kind of gave one of these out the window and I said, oh, it's going to be a beautiful day today. Well, and, that's the best part of this story because, like I said, eight to 10 knots to me is not a big deal. Um, and there was quite a bunch of us who uh, decided to go out anyway and fish. And uh, me and my buddy Joe Dixon, he's an older guy. And uh, Melvin, um, Melvin has his own boat. I went with Joe. We literally left the dock at, I mean, they called it at nine and we were going out at 920, 918, 915. And uh, where you launch at the Potomac, you, you launch on Man and Woman Creek and you literally make a left and, and there's the main body of the Potomac. And we did that. And the wind was still at that point, like at eight knots. And it, it, there was no reason we should have been out there. You know, we ran to our first spot and Joe looked at me and said, yeah, that, that this is ridiculous. And by the time we left that first spot, maybe 40 minutes later, and went to the second spot, the wind was pretty much done. It was glass, like I've never seen on the Potomac. I mean, just like, and we just had a absolutely gorgeous day of fishing it. And we absolutely hammered them. Um, the guy, Joe, whose boat I was in, if, you know, in my opinion, he probably would have won the tournament with what what he weighed. Just him and I fishing together. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't I haven't experienced the bite like that in the Potomac that was that good for a little while. For for a while, I mean, you know, we we caught a good bit of fish and and, and good size. So. Well, let let's um you know make lemonade out of these lemons for what it was worth right so you wound up having a hell of a day on the water right um you you fished better part of eight hours give or take uh nine I yeah i think yeah. we stayed out long yeah it was probably about four yeah. when we got off yeah because you, you it was that good when you got back in the car and, and when you say it was that good what take me through it for a moment here what how so, good are we talking? Like, what, what do you con what constitutes as a good day? I think a day on the water constitutes as a good day, um, you know. But you're talking, you caught a serious number of fish, if I'm not mistaken. We did, and and Joe caught one that I I think was five and some ounces. He thinks high fours. Um, that, that that fish was a five pounder, and then right after that, he caught a, a solid four plus, and then filled the limit out with threes, and then was still catching fish. And then during that same time, I was still just, you know, just catch them, just catch them. The bite was just, it, it would come in flurries and come in often flurries. So we would have like 10 minutes where just be like fish, 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 fish. And we might have 10 minutes where the clouds came a little bit because it, it was sunny, but it was, the clouds would come every so often. The bite would turn off. Five minutes later, the clouds would go away. The bite would turn on. And, and that went on probably from like 11 till probably about three o'clock, just fish. Because the fish up here were in the same spot they were at when I was down at Murray. Once again, all their, their top lips were just looked like they had lipstick on, bright red, just from 
feeding up to get ready to spawn. And every fish, like even the shorts we caught that were under 15 inches, like the 13 inches, were two pound fish. I mean, they were fat, just like we call them mm. belly shirts, little, little <laughs> fat fish. Yeah, and, I love the way when they look like that. And then Melvin, he hooked up with a, a seven pounder across from us. Um, like you said, at least we were out there and any day on the water was a good day, you know, but now so apparently what, the what rumor is the tournaments, oh, what I, I was throwing, well, um, we, you know, we were catching them crankbaits, um, and we were also catching them in finesse. Um, they were, they were really, you know, when they would turn on, they were, I, I would think anything you would throw in front of them, they would eat, but they were really eating the crankbait and they were really eating the finesse presentation. Um, red, red colors, you know, red, red's pretty popular this time of year. Yeah. Um, but I was even getting bit on, on like shad colors too. Um, I, I think at that point when, when the fish are getting ready to spawn, I, I think they're just, they're just eating. If you can get something, you know, especially when the bite's like that, you know, I was throwing a finesse presentation and when, they, when that bite would turn on, as soon as my worm would hit the water, they would eat it. Like it was just right place, right time. I mean, I had a great time. The universe aligned, man. Now imagine for a moment if the tournament was going on and this was happening. I mean, that's the you know tough part to swallow because I talked yeah. to another guy I'm pretty close to. Um, his, funny enough, his name's Joe too. Um, he he was out there and he said he slammed them, absolutely slammed them. Um, I, I did talk to a couple of guys. You didn't know the river, don't know the river too well who were out there. And, and they called some, they didn't do as well as we did, but guys who had a knowledge of the river and where to go, I mean, they were, they were, they were catching them. And I, I, I honestly feel like um, the guy went out with Joe. I, if that was his bag, he brought to the scales at, at weigh in and the tournament went on. I really feel like he would have had a really good shot to win it. And my bag would have had a, pretty good shot too to win it you know it's just who's to say if we had the tournament that would have happened but i'll tell you this we missed the morning bite the first thing in the morning and i think that bite window probably would have been better than what we experienced oh i'm sure Uh, and and you you were saying if i'm not mistaken that the morning tide when you guys were supposed to launch was i mean that would have been the prime time for fishing we would have had a great tide because we would have had dropping tide i think from like I forget what the window was, but it, it, it hit dead low, like at one, at one o'clock. And usually, you know, a lot of people out there will say, oh, low, after low tide, they're really hard to catch. But we were still, I mean, catching a lot of fish. I mean, our big flurries came after the tide was almost a dead low, to that point where they really shouldn't be eating like that. I mean, it was just. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for you, man. I, I think, you know, even though, even though it was incredibly frustrating and even though the tournament, it sounds like made some terrible decisions here. It, I mean, you were out fishing. I, I mean, I went out fishing and I, the bite just wasn't happening and there was no life on the river whatsoever. Um, so I, I, I applaud you. You, you got, you got the a, stank of the situation off you. It's a tough pill to swallow for guys because the guys who take tournament, fishing seriously there's a lot of work that goes into this a lot of prep leading up 
to the tournament. And then now it seems they've rescheduled it for back-to-back days in July on the Potomac, which that's not really the ideal time to be out there fishing and having a tournament. You you have guys, I know a guy who came from Pennsylvania, spent four days practicing down there, had a place. um, I I can't repeat what he said to me about the event being canceled (laughs) because we are a family show and this man is a pretty well-known he was on the tour for a while and um and i kind of feel like him because i i you know i i can almost say within 100 percent certainty if it was flw mlf flw bfls no way in hell well it, it would even cross their mind i remember you telling the story and <clears throat> excuse me it, it, you were telling the story about fishing on the st lawrence right and there were many boats in in and believe me by saying i'll preface this by saying that I, I don't believe you guys should have been out there on that day um but you know damage to boats and you know people you know potentially getting injured and um you're talking massive waves coming off the great lakes there into the, the um, st lawrence and that's you guys still fish that and, and i think there's an overabundance of security in some sense that needs to be taken into consideration if there's, you know, some sort of weather event, we'll say air quote weather event. Um, But I mean, there's no reason why you guys shouldn't have gone out there. No, you know, the St. Lawrence was definitely on that edge of, you know, maybe they closed the lake off. So nobody was allowed on the lake. And once you got up in the river, like away from the lake, there was just real strong current. But when you got near the lake, when you're going back to weigh in across in the lake that's where those huge huge waves were that day different story this day the, the kicker was I, I feel like the director at some point you know should have got in the boat and made the minute ride not even to look what the river looked like before he made his call and that didn't happen i mean yeah well like, well, we won't dwell on it because we'll, we'll move I know. on from here. But I, that's I think, a whole other discussion for a whole other day. And yeah, I don't could, like putting people on blast. No, and, no, we're not trying to yeah, do I'm that not, here. I, um, there might be a good reason as to why the director did that, but you know, from from an outsider looking in, someone who wasn't there, I mean, it sounded like it was foolish. I mean, I went on I, and I looked hmm. on my machine here, and I I went and checked out the weather, and I, I was looking at radar over you guys, and everything looked fine. I mean, if I was in charge of it, I probably would have let it go. But then again, like I said, by ten. 30 it was beautiful like just glassed up like no wind sun's out like it's like yeah but like you said at least you know joe's name is joe dixon you know he was great enough to let me go out with him and, and we had a great day on the water you know if that didn't happen i would still be bitter to just just not a happy guy i mean you were still bitter when we talked at like six o'clock that night so i you know and i, I get it but um you know, I'm glad you guys wound up having yeah. a good day. Uh, that's, hey. I got a big one coming up, not this Saturday, the following Saturday. Mm-hmm. So Coming up, man. Coming up. Wait, is it, uh, is it Easter weekend? No, we have three weeks until Easter. It's yeah, yeah. The weekend before. <clears throat> that's that's going to awesome. be a smash. Well, I saw Brennan was fishing down there, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. I saw that. He was, and, and he said, uh, they're not up on beds yet, you know, that 
it was weird some of the pictures he sent me the fish were real white still looking like they were coming in from colder water and it, it seems like to be setting up that that weekend is going to be the weekend that you want to be down there fishing that that those lakes i am ecstatic for you i, I have a feeling it's going to be a, let me a give you my order. estimations for a boater for a boater <laughs> to win the, I, I would say a boater would have to have at least 20 i think 27 pounds is going to win it 27 pounds five fish someone someone i wouldn't someone be write that down ladies and gentlemen i wouldn't be pounds. surprised if somebody weighs a 30 pound bag and i think co-angler is going to have to crack 20 yeah there are mean, monsters if, down there absolutely and if it's, if they're monsters. getting close to being on bed i mean they're even bigger so they're going to be some on bed yeah yeah there's going to be quite a few wow that's something man yeah so i think the uh, top five i think the top five boaters are going to be like 25 pound range i think the winner is going to be anywhere i think 27 but i wouldn't be surprised to see 30 pounds not one bit that's, uh, predictions from joe ladies and gentlemen you heard it here I, I'm excited to see how this turns out. Um, I, I'm hoping you get some, you know, video and photos of, of things well, that are going on on that. Um, you will. Uh, Brennan's got a brand new GoPro. Brand I know. New, I so. know. I know. Well, I'm a c- computer guy. I can fix that for him. So. Well, he got. He, he. You know what he said? He just ended up buying the brand new one. He was like, "Screw that!" He bought the new one. <laughs> I don't he went it. out today. And he's like, "I went through my batteries." You know. Oh, they got over 40, so 40 fish he caught on a frog on film today. Well, I can't wait to see those up on the Instagrams. He's working on a project with the biologist from uh, MLF on a private pond. When we say pond, I, I mean, I think it's like 47 acres. It's a it's huge. That's a lake. <laughs> but, yeah, most people, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it's actually bigger than your um, lake My in your town. town. Yeah. yeah. If you know you were to see it, like that's a lake, but they're calling it a pond. So, why? Well, you know, I this brings up a good, a good segue into one of the other topics. You know, I had sent you um, a field and stream article. Uh, I'll link to it in the show notes here. But um, Stripers Forever is calling for a ten-year ban on harvesting striped bass. <clears throat> There's a new proposed re- regulation that could stop commercial and recreational harvests of striped bass for a decade from Maine to North Carolina. Now. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, migratory species of fish, uh, they're regulated not just on a state-by-state level, they're regulated um, kind of in the entire stretch that they're migrating. So um, for the striped bass, they're migrating from Maine back down um, back down the east coast here um, to North Carolina. So they're being regulated that entire span of the east coast. I believe they do the same thing on the uh, on the West Coast, I think they do from Washington to California. So, yeah. um, but uh, long story short, and I think we've we've hit on this a few times over the you know past couple episodes, uh, you know going back I think even to the early. Um, so the organization's called ASMFC. Um, they're looking to enact this ten-year uh, harvest moratorium, but would still allow for catch and release fishing. Additional measures would include barring the targeting of striped bass in historic spawning areas, limiting lures to a single treble hook, and requiring barbless hooks on lures. Um, I think before we we get into the conversation there, I think that the data is interesting, and this kind of goes into the what you were just saying about Brennan and working with biologists. Um, so they estimate from 2019, the latest year for which the data is available, they indicate 
that recreational anglers caught 30.9 million fish, 28.8 million of which were released. Of those sent back to the water, 2.59 million died from the stress of the encounter. But with the moratorium, Stripers Forever is looking to preserve approximately the 2.2 million fish that were taken for the table by recreational anglers and another 619,000 by commercial fishermen to strengthen the striper stocks along these coasts. Um, so they are taking comments um, until April 9th regarding your feelings on this um, as, you know, Mr. Mrs. and other taxpayer. Um, but I thought it was interesting. And, and you and I had talked about this a number of times offline and on here, just kind of, how the hell do you know that? Like, this is kind of like a, I think they're using the law of numbers, numbers. right? And averages and trying to figure that out. But um, I mean, there. so I, I started poking around a little bit and I did see that there are a bunch of articles here going back even to a couple of weeks ago, it says volunteers wanted by the DEC to count striped bass fish, fish harvest. Um, so working, this is state of New York, um, working with the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commissions, they're that, that's that ASMFC. Um, so they're trying to figure out exactly what they have and how many fish are being caught, right? Um, it says, if you fish for striped bass north of the George Washington Bridge and tidal Hudson River, you should be emailing with any that you have caught um, I thought that that was kind of interesting. Um, then, of course, anything that you harvest, they definitely do require you to um, record that. Really? I didn't know but that. Counting is, um, I mean, we, we talked about this with, with a lot of the um, species, the other species, right? Like the brown trout for some of the fisheries that I go to. It's like they're walking through, they electrocute the, the little strip of the river here, and they just pick them up and sex them and make sure that, you know, they're still alive and count them that way. Um, how you do that in a migratory system is, is beyond me. Um, I, I mean, I'm not a biologist, but it just sounds like it's a lot of numbers games and, and figuring, okay, well, if, you know, people are catching this many, that means that there's got to be a, some sort of multiplying effect that's associated with it. I'd love to find out more, I, I you know, in my hour today or so since I found the article. Um, I haven't been able to find anything, um, any scientific papers on it. But I, I can uh, tell you this. Yeah. In the Bay, for the past several years, and, and increasing every year, I just feel how great it is and how great the fishing been and how there's so many more stripers and people are catching them now in the inner harbor, like pretty regularly, which I can tell you 18 years ago wasn't something that happened Right. Inner Harbor, for those of you who are unaware, that is in downtown Baltimore. Um, it, that's, I mean, that's impressive. So the um, word around here is, is, is that the population is growing. So and I, when I used to fish in the lot with Joe, I think we were allowed to keep one over a certain size or two under a certain size. So it wasn't like when you would go out fishing recreational that you, recreational fishermen could not keep tons of these it's it's, it, it's not something that could be you can go out there and take you know five six ten home i mean it was like two or one but i i have um you know strong feelings on this right and i think if biologists i'd like to trust the science here right and say like okay well maybe maybe we're seeing a boom in certain areas, right? And we're not seeing it elsewhere. Maybe there's disruptions to their migratory paths, right? There's so many other th 
things that could be happening that maybe they're not making it as far north as they used to. Maybe they're not making it as far south. Maybe they're not leaving the tidal waters. Maybe they're not growing to the size that they are. I, I don't know. But if scientists and biologists who are scientists are believing that there's some sort of pressure that's being put on them that's causing you know, these numbers to dwindle, because remember, striped bass were almost, well, endangered. Um, you know, what, going back 20, 30 years, right? So we don't want to get to that point again. So is it so bad to put a moratorium on the actual harvesting and just say, listen, let's put a moratorium. Maybe it's not 10 years, maybe it's five years. Let's revisit it after two years, something like that. Let's, let's figure this out. Let's see what's happening to them. Let's see if we're able to bounce this back and see if the harvesting was part of the problem, just like you would do with the hunting of any kind of animal, right? And, and figure it out and then adjust accordingly. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I mean, I'm a catch and release fisherman for the most part, but you know, I, if you wanna keep a fish, I have no problem as long as that's not a pressured fish or an endangered fish, right? And we wanna definitely not, I think most anglers, um, just like most hunters, truly revere the species that we love and we, we recreate for, right? So I don't want anything to happen to these striped bass. I want them to be around for many generations to come um, for recreational purposes and also for harvest. So if that means that we have to kind of bring that back a little bit, right? Um, and say, okay, well, something else is happening here. Let's let's take this little moratorium and but, but not keep... I, I think don't have a problem. Look at, I, need to, I need to think, I think they need to look in other reasons. Maybe there's less up by you. I don't think, that, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's been you're only been allowed to keep such small minuscule amounts. Maybe something else is going on, like you said. Maybe yeah. Because like I said, I haven't fished with them right lately, but people I follow on Instagram who run charters or, or have just been saying that it's just they're everywhere. You know, yeah. They're just everywhere, and I did notice they were catching them later into the season down here than what they usually. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah, I, no, I, I think there's maybe point. more into it than just there being overfished. Well, I think, you know, you have, once again, we talk about the law of numbers, right? So you have the population is of humans is expanding rapidly, right? Up and down the Eastern seaboard. So you have more and more people living there. People are taking up angling left and right. I, I see it here, like on the local rivers. I see it down the shore. I mean, when we were down there fishing, last weekend i mean really this time of year maybe see one other guy out there fishing on the stretch that i'm on i mean there were like 10 guys out and i mean that's not a ton but you take that over the entire you know every beach in the state of new jersey and then every beach in the state from maine to north carolina i mean that adds up and if everyone's keeping fish which we don't know right um i don't have those numbers that's that could be problematic, right? So, you know, yeah, you know, on, on the surface, you're like, okay, well, each angler can keep one fish, but is that, you know, that's one fish a day. So technically, if you're skilled, we'll say, and you're in the right place at the right time, let's say you harvested seven striped bass in a single week and everybody who was harvesting was doing the same thing. I mean, that's all, that adds up really quickly. Um, so I, I don't I don't have a problem with the moratorium I, I you know but then again I don't have enough information on it I think that there's always more than me ten years I think that's over ten years deal. yeah agreed because you'll agreed. see it here in our bay with crabs like the like other crab populations so slammed and then a few years later it's like 
oh, it, it's a huge crab population. And sometimes I think things fluctuate, not always because of human interaction. I think there's some things that we just don't have control over that sometimes can cause certain things. No, I, I can agree to that. I, there's more to the again, universe. We don't have, I, I can tell you this, in the Bay, we don't have, I don't think the stripers are near as pressured as what it sounds like. And from what I see up on the, around the Jersey coast, like, you know, I've seen like those pictures of all those boats by the shore chase. I'm like, we don't, yeah, yeah. I, I've never seen it like that. You know, who, who knows? Who knows? Well, I think, and I, I'm not familiar with, um, Maryland. It's, I had a fishing license with you guys once, but I, I don't recall. Do you need a saltwater's license? Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's saltwater title, and, blah, blah, blah. and you pay you pay for that, right? Mm -hmm. So that probably keeps it down a lot. Like whereas here in New Jersey, you don't need a saltwater license. You have a freshwater license, and then you need a saltwater registration, which is free. And mm -hmm. you know you can register for the. I don't know if they're doing it this year, but there's a striper bonus program, and. Once again, I don't think it's, I don't think it costs anything. Like I have to pay for my trout stamp. Once again, to yeah, fish we for pay, trout. But, we pay, yeah. But like in Florida, for example, I know when I, when I go to Florida, I buy, you know, an all around fishing license, which allows mm -hmm. me to fish the tidal water, the, the ocean and, and that it's expensive as an out of state person. It was like, I think like 60 bucks for me to get that. Um, but, you know, maybe that's part of the problem too in, in, I've sent you photos of kind of the the striped bass runs and and watching these striped bass go crazy out there and and guess what there there's hundreds of boats out there like you said they're chasing them. they're chasing them I, up and down I the saw coast. that stuff I've never I've I've never seen anything near that extent nowhere close I mean <clears throat> when we go down to Capicta Peak where the bay meets the ocean where they would come in you know around November December there'd be boats out there, but nothing even close to like that. Nothing even close. Like not, not even like this close to it. Like that seeing those videos, it, it's crazy to me. Like, and, and some of those charters you send me videos to, there's like 30, 40 people. Well, yeah. And in, in the COVID world, I think it's like half, if not a quarter of that, but it, in the non COVID world, it, they were literally packed to the gills with people. And pun intended i guess yeah. but you you gotta think like i don't know see I, it's, jersey's unique so the way jersey it seems like from anywhere in jersey you can get to the shore so quickly like like yeah. and you're there and then you have pennsylvanians coming here because you know it's, it's, it's quick from there too if, honestly for me to go to your sister's house it, it takes less time for me to go to your for me to drive to her house rather than drive to Ocean City, Maryland. It takes me longer to get to Ocean City, Maryland than it does for me to drive to that part of New Jersey. Yeah, which see, that's is insane. insane to me. Yeah. And to me, most of the Jersey beaches are far more beautiful than, you know, Ocean City is an awesome place. It's just, it doesn't compare in my mind. So. Yeah. And also your state's so heavily populated. I mean, it, well, that's and that's what I'm saying is is you yeah. know do you have so many pleasure boaters and so many recreational fishermen that like I, I mean it's gonna happen right like we it, it's gonna happen but this is when you start to get up to Maine like you have less and less fishermen when you get up to Rhode Island you know like all of New England like 
it's not as I think overly pressured like it is here. Like I said, um, I, I I would I would bet you one of your beach towns because in New Jersey, you know, ocean the beach in, in Maryland is it's Ocean City. It's just, it's the whole stretch. But you know, Jersey's you know you got San Diego, you got all these different beaches, all these different beach towns. I would bet you like. One of your beach towns probably has more charters than, than, than runs out of Ocean City. And I think that's like a 30-mile stretch, 40-mile stretch. And you know what's crazy your... is not a day goes by and that, you know, I belong to all these forums and stuff like that, that you don't see some sort of like post from someone saying, hey, guys, I just bought a boat. I'm doing charters now. Like the three so far this weekend, it's Tuesday night that I saw like, hey, guys, I just bought a center console. I'm doing charters. I'm ready to do Striper, you know, in three weeks, for example. And there are guys, you know, typically from what I'm reading on the charters, like my buddy had messaged me, said that he's ready to start doing a charter maybe um, sometime in April. Um, but guys are starting to run them now. And I so think all these the, guys are getting their captain's licenses and everything. And I mean, it's crazy. Maybe it's different up there, but I, I thought the run charters get that cap. I mean, that, good on them, I guess, for going through all that. I mean, that's. I mean, it's, it's a good thing. Like it's kind of like guiding, right? Like I think guiding is kind of a cool thing. Like more and more people are getting into guiding for, you know, going out to do other types of fishing, like for example, trout fishing. Um, That's, that's great. Like I, I applaud it, but there comes like a, like a moment of critical, critical mass where you say there's almost too many of them, Um, you know, and, and I don't think everyone's going to survive in that. It's a, you know, very tough industry to survive in. It's, I would never want to be a guide. I would never want to own a boat and run it. I mean, I want a boat for me and I would take people out that I'm friends with, but like, I don't want to do that for a living. I think it's a very rough life. And I think people have this fantasy that it's kind of the dream job. Those of us that are anglers and it's not, I mean, you're I can not tell fishing. You being a charter for like offshore fishing is a ton of work. People don't realize it. The work that goes in to take people out um, this is offshore to fish offshore. It, it is a ton, a ton of work. My buddy, Captain Todd down in Myrtle Beach will tell you because he does offshore and he also does bass. That offshore, it, it, it's more than a full day of work because night before they're prepping all the rods, get everything ready. I mean, it's a ton of work. Well, I and if that. you don't, you have to have a good crew with you too because the captain can't be leaving the, you know, Right. steer the boat to go fart right. around with people who are tangled <laughs> you know right. like that's right. a bad idea especially if you're trolling because as soon as the boat goes your lines go <laughs> right right you know it, it's it's a lot and i think and, that and, might be the better answer is limiting the amount of striper charters because those videos i forgot all about those videos you said it was insane to see I, and like just off the beach just like chasing just like boat just well, and you see them, and from Sandy Hook, you can see across into Brooklyn. You can see, you yeah. know, you can see downtown Manhattan. So, like, you know, picture Battery Park there, right? You can see, like, from the tip there, you can see Jersey City, you, you know, the Raritan Bay, and then, um, do you just like when the Striper Run was happening in this in the fall? It was the first time that I had ever witnessed something so chaotic in my entire life, like. Like I've witnessed runs where you see the birds diving and, and this was something that was so massive. It was from as far left as I could see to as far right as I could see. So they were running from left, which is north, south towards, you know, obviously the south. And the birds, like thousands of seabirds diving into the water. And 
within minutes of this occurring. Now, it didn't just, uh, you know, it didn't happen to the left and then start working your way to the right. Like it, they all just came to the surface pretty much in front of me. And the blitz happened like that. They just started feeding on the surface. And this is when the birds and everything happened. And as soon as the birds started hitting the water, you started seeing all these boats coming from Brooklyn, from all the way in like basically to the mouth of the Raritan Bay by the, you know, lower Manhattan. And then all up and down the coast just started converging down onto this one spot. And they're throwing and you could see them from the beach. You could see people on these charters tossing everything that they have out there. Like literally within the seconds, hundreds of people fishing the same blitz because it was that massive. And you say, that's a little chaotic. Uh, you know, I, I don't, maybe that, maybe you're right. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe because I, I have never personally seen anything down here like that. Never. Then yeah. again, we don't have, you know, the population and the amount of coast. I mean, the coastline, like you said, New York's right there, right, 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 right there. I mean, it's a ton, a ton of people, and they want to go get in on that. And like you said, those boats—they're on the radio. Birds are right. diving here. Right. right. And like you said, if you have three boats, you could have easily have three hundred people all throwing that pod and. I mean, that, I didn't think of it like that. Yeah, I, I think maybe something like that might, I think that that would help because that, that would be decimating, yes. That would be absolutely decimating. Especially if they're all keeping, right? Like that's, if they're all oh, keeping okay. the fish, which I, I'm sure a lot of them are, mm -hmm. um, that's problematic. But, you know, I think, you know, I think you and I are on, on the same path here. And I, you know, talking to Brian, we are all on the same path that we think that something has to be done. Obviously, if there's some sort of, adverse effect happening to a population of animals See, I just, that we love but something doesn't with, add up right well like with with covid maybe you could say something goes out there seven days a week i don't i doubt there's very few people who, who get to go out striper fishing it's such a small window right. and out right. of that season the normal person surfing fishing for them from the beach is so minuscule how much maybe they go out two times three times right like me with with all my abundance of free time i made it out three times I mean, three times I, I and and only two of them I, I actually caught fish because i missed the blitz like by and how many did you keep how many were keeper size None. i don't think uh, well one of them was one was yeah one was and the rest were schoolies but but guess what like to me i don't care because it was still fun still fun to catch them just in my mind is after seeing those videos to me that's where i remember thinking that because i'm never they're so close to the shore too like I remember thinking like that's not really that safe. I, I what do I know? But then I remember thinking like these guys are just decimating the school. Like it's insane. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, a good place for us to leave it. I think um, you know, you do what you can to support the the animals that we we love and we recreate with and, and for right. So if the same thing was happening to you know our smallmouth and largemouth bass and the fishers that we love. Like, you know, it's our responsibility as um, people in the industry to, you know, speak up for them because they can't speak for themselves, right? Um, kind of preachy moment there. But um, if something's really happening, you know, maybe maybe that is the best thing to do. But without all the facts, it's, it's very, I think 10 years is a little excessive. I could see maybe doing a two to five year. Um, but then again, maybe there's some other steps that you can do. I think just throwing the brakes on everything is, is not I, the right I way. would bet money that your state and 
maybe New York are going to start limiting the number of charter licenses they give out. Like I, I, said, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, New Jersey is, is typically very harsh on, on sportsmen in general. Um, I'll, I'll say I, that kind of. Uh, I remember you and I talking about doing it, going to the charter and, and just like looking. I forget what area we looked in. We, we decided Atlantic on Islands, I think. It and was, I just, uh, it yeah. I, I just Googled that area in charters and like 10 popped up in that yeah. area. I remember thinking like, holy crap. And there crap. was one marina. That is a lot. Like you know, traveling down the East Coast, I can tell you that is a lot of charters in just one one area. Yeah. On a side note, did you know that Dingo ate my baby was a real story? It did actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Dingo ate my baby. He put that lady through hell and her husband and actually in jail for three years to come to find out that the Dingo really did eat her baby. <laughs> See, that I didn't know, but I knew the story was real. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. that. They, yeah, that's a one another of, story for another day. Strange but true stories. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining. Um, and Joe, have a good night. Later, brother.